Hello, I'm Dr. Ulrich Storz. I'm a senior partner at Michalski Hüttermannet Partner Patent Attorneys, and you are listening to IP Fridays. Hello, and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson, and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property. It does not matter where you are from, in-house or private practice, novice or expert. We will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks, patents, design and copyright, discover useful tools, and much more. Co-host Ken Suzanne and I welcome you to episode 123 of IP Fridays. Today's interview guest is Dr. Ulrich Storz, who is senior partner of Michalski Hüttermann and Partner in Düsseldorf, Germany. And we talk about waiving COVID patent rights. Is it useful or not? But before we jump into this very interesting interview... I have some news for you. The European Patent Office has published the decision G1 in 21 of the Enlarged Boards of Appeal related to video conferencing. And it sounds like that video con conferencing during Corona or other emergency situations is okay, even without the consent of the parties. However, um, the European Patent Office, the Enlarged Boards of Appeal, have um, worded the decision carefully and the headnote says during a general emergency impairing the party's possibilities to attend in-person oral proceedings at the EPO premises the conduct of oral proceedings before the boards of appeal in the form of a video conference is compatible with the EPC even if not all of the parties to the proceedings have given their consent to the conduct of oral proceedings in the form of a video conference. So it seems that um, in the future, outside emergency situations, um, a video conference can be avoided by parties if one party is objecting to video conferencing. Also, the UK IPO has started a consultation seeking evidence and views on, for example, the extent to which patents and copyright should protect inventions and creative works made by artificial intelligence. The government of the UK wants the UK to be at the forefront of this revolution to encourage innovation in AI technology and promote it for use for the public good. At the same time, they want to preserve the central role of intellectual property in promoting human creativity and innovation. Also, there are some news from the USPTO. Cathy Vidal has been nominated to be um, heading the USPTO. She is currently managing partner of Winston and Strawn's Silicon Valley office, so she comes from private practice. Most IP stakeholders seem to find that she is a strong and capable candidate to head the USPTO. And now let's jump into the interview with Ulrich Storz. Hi, I'm Rolf Klesen. I'm patent attorney with Michalski Hüttermann and Partner in Düsseldorf. And today's guest is Uli Storz. Uli Storz is a biologist and he has a lot gathered a lot of knowledge about the patents related to COVID. And I'm happy that you are here and we are talking about the COVID patents today, right? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. May I just start one word because I very often hear the term the COVID patent, the COVID patent must be lifted or must be suspended. And 
Well, the first message is there is no such COVID patent. And there's a couple of reasons for it, and maybe we discuss that in, in different aspects. Yeah. Right. Um, because there is a, there are patents about the vaccine itself, and there are patents about the process to make the vaccine, and there are a lot of. Maybe you can explain yes. what, what are the different yes. types of patents that well, are. I mean, maybe to to give the listeners a framework, a rough framework. There is a lot of discussion about waiving patent rights, right. and right. maybe first we understand what the patents are and what does it mean waiving of patent yes. rights. Yes. And maybe we start with right. uh, what patents are actually what what patents is this about? Right. Yeah. Maybe one step ahead. First of all, I think it is an incredible achievement that we that well society has been able to, to, to make a vaccine against COVID in this record speed. And despite all, um, all criticism with regard to, well, that was probably not properly made, I, I, I fully disagree with it. I think this vaccine, these vaccines have been tested to the highest standard possible. So I think all criticism is, is regarding the, the approval process is, is, is at least with regard to the, the BioNTech, the Johnson Johnson, um, the AstraZeneca and um, the Moderna is, is not applicable. Maybe with regard to the Russian, because there was a lot of political pressure, and maybe also with regard to Chinese vaccines. But with regard to the ones I mentioned before, I think there's all criticism with regard to insufficient testing is not applicable, fully not applicable. So it's actually, it's, it's, it's a gift that we received. And of course, the issue is... Um, that there is an inequality in global distribution of this vaccine. And I think we all agree that, well, let's say, let's call it the, West, the Northern Hemisphere has an obligation to support the Southern Hemisphere in achieving sufficient vaccine supplies. I think there can be no doubt about it. The question, of course, is what role do patents play in this problem? And I think, and that is, I mean, because patents have, have, have often been made responsible for this inequality. And I, well, we, we carried out some studies, we, we, we published on these studies, uh, and I, we think... I link these articles below in yes. the description, of yes, course. Yes, 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 thank you, <laughs> thank you for doing that. One is published, one is in, in submission and not yet published. Um, so, but what I believe is that it is too simplified to blame patents for that uh, vaccine uh, 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 in inequality. Now, let's first start with one point. COVID. 19 or SARS-CoV-2 was discovered in late 2019 and Chinese scientists have well uploaded the genome of SARS-CoV-2 in early 2020 I think in it's in the article I think it's in January February I don't know I don't know exactly right now um, so we now have September 2021 so it is about 18 months 20 months past the day that the genome was uploaded into public uh, databases. So technically, we know SARS-CoV-2, or we know the details of, of SARS-CoV-2 only for about 20 months. Um, and something that a lot of people don't know is that patent applications, were, after being filed, are kept secret for 18 months. Well, we call it the U-boat phase or whatever, I don't know. And after 18 months, they are getting published. This means that if someone speaks about the COVID patent, um, these COVID patents, if they exist out there, we simply don't know them because they are not yet published. 
That is, that is maybe one point. And because they are not yet published, they cannot be used against competitors to block competitors out of the market. So the first well, misconception is that there would be patents protecting the actual COVID-19 vaccines to block competitors out of the market. These patents are, at this point of time, not yet known. We don't know them. Right. And, and because certainly not yet granted. Yes. And because we don't know them, no judge, the judges also don't know them. So they cannot be used against competitors. That's maybe the first message we need to, we need to discuss. Now, the second point is, of course, there is earlier IP that has been generated in the, well, in the time before that protects composition of matter that is now part of the COVID vaccines. And the best example is, is the BioNTech vaccine, which is an mRNA vector that comprises, for example, uh, in its lipid nanoparticles, specific lipids, or which has a specific mRNA sequence that is not 100% identical to the mRNA sequence of, of the viral spike protein for some reasons. And of course, these elements are or can be subject of patent protection. That is, that is, there is no, no doubt about that. Um, and of course, this reflects in a way the long, and let, let, me, let, me, let me focus on mRNA vaccines because that is, I have a very good understanding of the patent background of the mRNA vaccines. Um, and of course, that background, of, that background IP reflects the decade-long development of mRNA vaccines. So the concept of using mRNA as a vaccine has been introduced in 2020, uh, 2000, no, 2000, so 20 years ago, yeah. by um, Ingmar Neuer, who was the founder of, of, of CureVac, mm -hmm. who, is now, who is now in discussion of being awarded the Nobel Prize, although his CureVac vaccine failed in practical testing. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's the tragedy of life, that you get a Nobel Prize, but your vaccine might fail. I'm not, it has not yet failed completely, but of course there is a tragic element in that. But he discovered mRNA yes. vaccines. Yes, yeah. so, so that is one milestone of mRNA vaccine development. Then there was Katalin Kariko from University of Pennsylvania, who is now a member of the board of BioNTech, who found out that if you use specific uridine Variants, methyl pseudouridine, mm -hmm. then you make it. Then you make mRNA vaccines less immunogenic, um, not immunogenic, but less. Um, so, so that, that 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 the body reaction triggers on an immune reaction on the produced protein, but does not direct itself against the mRNA per se. Um, that is only two examples of the twenty-year development of mRNA vaccines, and all of course, all these elements uh, 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 sort of. Were, were, were protected by, by third-party patents, and that is, of course, sure. Now, um, there was, and I've, again, I think the Northern Hemisphere has an obligation to support the Southern Hemisphere in, 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 in achieving sufficient supplies in vaccines. Um, and there was an initiative, in particular by India and by the government of South Africa, Mm -hmm. with the WHO and also with the WTO, so the two uh, um, UN organizations which are fo focusing either on trade-related aspects or on health-related aspects. And so the initiative was to waive the COVID patents because the COVID patents would have to be made responsible for that lack of supply or lack of access of countries in the southern hemisphere 
to the COVID vaccine. But you found out something quite yes, interesting, yes, right? yes, and yes. a little bit funny. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's it's tragic when you see people dying. It's 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 oh, really tragic. Yeah, but but um, but the point is, um, the argument was that 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 the, well, the industries in, for example, India or South Africa would not have could would be blocked to make their own vaccines because of these COVID patents. So what we did in a, in a study, and we did this not on, alone, we, 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 we did this with colleagues, with patent attorney colleagues from Brazil, Pakistan, Mexico, Egypt, India. Um, we tried to find out, we, first we identified all the background patents that, that protect elements of the BioNTech vaccine. And then we checked whether these background patents have ever been put into national faces in these countries, Brazil, Pakistan, Mexico, Egypt, India. Mm. And we found out that, this, that not a single of these patents has been, has been put into national faces in these countries. With one exception, for India, there's two BioNTech patents that protect the five prime UTR, but these patents are not yet granted in India. And there's, I would, I would have, because we have a very good understanding of the Indian patent system, and there are sincere doubts that they will ever get granted. Right. Which means that on the example of the BioNTech vaccine, there is no blocking IP in those target countries that mm -hmm. could block those countries from making the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So the argument that patents would, would be the reason for the inequ inequitable access, that argument is simply wrong. Right. It is simply not applicable. Now. Of course, there's other reasons, and the reason is maybe know-how transfer, supply of, of ingredients, uh, maybe support in upscaling production. Of course, all these reasons apply, but patents are not the reason. And there's a, I mean, I mean, there's there's maybe two examples that that make me a little bit uncomfortable. One is that the U.S. government. Under, under the Biden administration has declared sympathy for the initiative and has also declared support for a patent waiver. Uh, at the same time, the US government has place, uh, put in place an export ban on ingredients for those vaccines. Mm -hmm. And well, that goes as far as syringes and glass vials. So how can you, I mean, I mean it's, it's, simply, it's simply not it's simply not, not, not honest to blame the patents, but at the same time, keep all the ingredients that you need for making the vaccine inside your country. And, and the term for that is vaccine nationalism. There's another example, and that is um, the, um, uh, the, the world's largest vaccine supplier is um, Serum Institute in India. They deliver vaccines into about 170 countries in the world. And um, they have a license from AstraZeneca, Oxford University, for the AstraZeneca vector vaccine. Mm -hmm. um, and we all, we all have the pictures in mind of, 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 of sick people in India, and they really have a terrible, terrible uh, uh, development, or at least had a terrible development of the, of the, uh, uh, of, of, of the COVID disease. Um, and there is an initiative by the World Health Organization that's called COVAX, under which uh, vaccines are distributed in particular into African countries. And the Serum Institute was supposed to be the main supplier 
for that initiative. Mm -hmm. um, on, the, on the basis of the AstraZeneca vaccine, which is a vector vaccine. And then when the, when the, uh, when the death figures went up in India, the Indian government put an export ban in place for those vaccines which were meant to be delivered to the COVID, COVAX uh, uh, initiative, which I think is understandable in a way because they wanted to protect their own population before they delivered that into other countries. But the term for that, if you put it in bad words, is vaccine nationalism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm, I'm not blaming the Indian government for that because I find it understandable. But at the same time, the Indian government blamed patents for blocking access. And that is simply, I mean, that is, in a way, that's not, let's, let's say that's not consistent. So the inequality about the distribution of the vaccine is uh, not caused by patents, but by many other different factors, among them uh, right. vaccine nationalism or maybe... Yeah, the, the lack of know-how, how to yeah. produce this uh, that, vaccine. Right, right, right exactly right. And um, I saw in some internet, well, I, I'm, actually, I'm not, that, I'm not as much in social media as you are, <laughs> but I saw in some internet discussions, when, you, when that argument is raised, that it is, it is also a problem of know-how, of know-how transfer, then such, that argument was very often blocked as, or, or labeled as, well, that is post-colonialism. You know, mm -hmm. if we say if, if if we say well, maybe Indian companies don't have the know-how to make the mRNA vaccine mm. that was labeled as post-colonialism, and that of course, I mean, I mean, first of all, it's not correct, and second, it doesn't bring us any further. So right. it doesn't help us in in any aspect. No. We, it's we just simply a blaming yeah, argument. <laughs> we simply cannot ignore that. I mean, right. so 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 in fact, I think the reason for the is the reason for that inequitable access is manifold. And there's, of course, we are in the obligation to support the Southern Hemisphere, but it is way more complicated than only waive the patents, right? Right. And that is my, that is my concern. That's my point. Right. Yeah. And um, then there is also an instrument of compulsory licenses. Um, right. So, for example, if South Africa would have the opinion that they need this vaccine, they can also say, okay, we, we impose a compulsory license on these patents, and they don't need um, a WHO-based waiver of right. patents worldwide, right? Ex so maybe you can elaborate exactly. on this. Exactly, so, so, well, in Germany, the, legals, the legal bar for placing a compulsory license into, into putting into place is very high. But that does not apply to other countries, and of course, the, the possibility for countries to to uh, uh, to put compulsory licenses into place is regulated under the TRIPS contract, which is a contract that obligates all member states of the World Trade Organization to respect a certain a certain level of IP protection. Mm -hmm. Right, but within that framework countries may put in place compulsory license under specific circumstances. And the Indian government, the Indian law, even allows compulsory licenses not only in an emergency case where the local population does not have enough access to a particular drug, mm -hmm. but also for exportation into other countries, mm -hmm. if in other countries mm -hmm. um, there would be no, no sufficient supplies. Like, and that for example, for the Serum Institute, right. delivering vaccine to Africa. That's right, that's right. right. Which I'm not 100% sure whether that regulation is compliant with the TRIPS Treaty. I haven't, ch I haven't checked that. 
But so there are already legal means for, for those countries which now demand the suspension of the patent rights to not suspend but to put a compulsory license into, pl into place mm -hmm. on such patents. Which brings us back to the BioNTech case. However, you cannot play, put a compulsory license into place against a patent which does not exist. Right. right? Which you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> which either you don't know or which has never been put into, put into power into, in that respective right. uh, target state. Or yeah. never, never ever, mm -hmm. never ever uh, um, initiated national phase in that country, right. you see. Mm -hmm. so, so, well, well, in a way, you and I, we are, we are lobbyists. We are lobbyists of the patent system. Right. right. And I'm well aware that that, that is, might be a problem if we, when we provide an opinion on patent aspects, that from outside that might always be thought, well, well these guys are lobbyists. But, um, I mean, we, we cannot deny the facts. Right. We cannot, and right. anyway, yeah. So what would be your main takeaway for our listeners? What would you tell them, okay, this is what they need to bring back yep. uh, from this uh, video? Yeah, uh, well, well, first of all, we, in a way, we now think that it was a very easy game to make these vaccines. Well, it took only nine, eight months to, 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 to achieve market, to do the entire uh, development process, which is record speed, because before COVID, the fastest vaccine that came to the marketplace was a mumps vaccine, and that took five years. So, so in a way, we, we now think, well, that's an easy game. And because it is, it is well, it is, it is supposed to be so easy, well, it is also easy to, 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 to demand a patent waiver. Mm -hmm. Because, well, when mm -hmm. it was so simple, where's the invention? And so what we forget is that there are quite a few companies out there who failed in their clinical trials for making the vaccine. Right. And among them, not only CureVac, and I, I, think, I think the CureVac vaccine is, is not yet doomed, but at least we, we know that it did not perform very well. But um, other companies like Merck or Sanofi uh, mm -hmm. Pasteur also failed in making their vaccine. Mm -hmm. So the, the point that, that BioNTech, Moderna, Johnson Johnson and AstraZeneca were so successful, that should not well, t take away our, our awareness for the fact that it is not an easy game to right. make these vaccines. It was just the tip of the iceberg. Like right. A couple of successful companies and a lot of right. companies that failed. And of course, we learn about the success stories. Right. But all the failed stories, they, are never, they, they never right. get the public awareness. Right. So it's, um, and we cannot forget, in particular with regard to the, to the uh, uh, mRNA vaccines, that the success we are facing now is a result of 20 years mm. of consistent development mm. where, well, where investors, private investors, put mm. their money in, where scientists devoted their life for. Mm. And I think it is way too simple to now say, okay, now that we have the vaccines, get rid of all these patents. Mm. I mean, that is simply, um, I mean, in a way, we need to think about the future. There will be new um, pandemia coming, mm. and there needs to be an incentive for scientists and for investors to invest their resources into the development of these of new vaccines or new drugs against new diseases. Right. Yeah. So now uh, my final question is uh, if people want to get consulting regarding vaccines or maybe even the COVID patent system um, and learn more from you, uh, where can they reach you? Um, we have a web page, and I think you, you, you know that. Right. We, are, we are based in Dusseldorf, 
um, in Germany, but we have an we have an we have we have a European reach. So we serve from our office in Düsseldorf. We serve well clients in all countries in Europe. Um, we also actually we also do active counseling for clients in in the United States and Asia. Um, so. Well, well, people sometimes ask me, okay, for example, what is the best combination? If I have the first shot in BioNTech, should I take the second shot in AstraZeneca? That's not our business. So, no, I mean, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. people want to know more about the patent situation, right. uh, to understand this patent situation right, better right, right. and get paid consultant, yes, yes. Uh, con uh, consultancy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, of course. Yeah, contact yeah. us, contact right. us. We are always happy to help. We are, um, it is such an, such an exciting development that we are facing and um, we are we are really we are always happy to help and uh, call us send us an email um, go to our website go to um, go to patent.net yeah go to go to Rolf's channel which is excellent <laughs> um, so because there's there's hardly any any fields out there where the degree of misunderstanding is as high as it is in IP or patent protection. Right. And I mean, you know what I'm speaking about. Yes. Yeah. I try to remedy this. Yeah. <laughs> with, okay. with a lot of success. You know. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for Good. being on, the, on my YouTube channel and on the video. I thought you would say on the show. You're on the show. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes, happy to be here. And yeah. welcome again to our firm. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com slash love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at ipfridays.com or on iTunes or stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, please send us your feedback at ipfridays.com slash feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can go to ipfridays.com slash iTunes, and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. If you want to get mentioned on this podcast, or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com slash voicemail. You have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. The IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion on any specific facts or circumstances. The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved.